Hello, hello, everybody, and welcome to 30-Minute Thrive, your go-to podcast for anything and everything HR, powered by MRA, the Management Association. Looking to stay on top of the ever-changing world of HR? MRA has got you covered. We'll be the first to tell you what's hot and what's not. I'm your host, Sophie Bowler, and we are so glad you're here. Now, it's time to thrive. Well, with all of the conversation around employee engagement and retention, we thought it would be a great idea to really tackle that topic today on our podcast and follow up to Jim Morgan's episode last weekend on uh, candidate experience. So according to the most recent Gallup poll, about one third of U.S. employees are engaged in their work at their workplace. And we're talking a pretty low percentage. So one, one way that we can increase employee engagement from the very start is by really focusing on the employee experience with a strong onboarding program. And in fact, according to another study from TalentWise, 91% of employees stick around for at least a year when organizations have an efficient onboarding process, which is a pretty large percentage. So today I'm joined with James McDevitt. He is our Vice President of Human Resources here at MRA. And is an absolute pleasure to work with. Um, But James comes with a ton of experience having worked in HR for more than 25 years and really has a lot of operations experience working for both large and small companies. But while James has transformed human resource organizations into a strategic vehicle for growth, he really holds the belief that a company's most valuable asset are their people. So welcome, James. Let's talk the onboarding process. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. But before we get to the actual onboarding talk, um, we should first talk about the pre-boarding stage. So do you have any suggestions for pre-boarding a brand new employee? Absolutely. And, And as you said, employees are the most valuable assets of any organization. Without the people, there is no product, there's no service, there's no nothing. So it's really important that employers do everything they can to engage, to motivate, retain, and develop their employees. And as you suggest, it really starts even before they start. Um, It's pre-boarding is an important part of the process that's often overlooked. And sometimes not a lot of thought goes into what happens before they start, but a lot of thought happens after they start. So what tends to happen, people are not sure when they're supposed to start, they're not sure what the dress code is, they're not sure where they're supposed to be, they turn up at the wrong location, they turn up at the wrong time, and suddenly you're off to a a bad start. Mm -hmm. You really are. So I think uh, it's really important to put a process in place where you recognize the importance of pre-boarding. So for example, make sure you call and speak to the, the, the candidate now that you hire before they start make sure they know where they're going make sure they know what time they're, pro- they're supposed to be there make sure what they know what the dress code is but also plan ahead have a backup what happens if the person is supposed to call who would ideally be the hiring manager right. as a as a really important step in building that relationship but what if the hiring manager gets sick mm-hmm. is there someone else there that can make the call um, likewise on day one even before the orientation starts they're supposed to arrive and meet somebody. What if that person got stuck in traffic? You should have a backup plan to make sure that whatever happens, the, the new hire, the, the, the new hire, the new employee is, is clearly communicated with. Right. And I think just speaking to my experience for the pre-boarding process, 
I really liked that um, my team really provided a good idea of what my first week would look like mm -hmm. before I even started. Right. So it, it made me more comfortable to know, yeah. hey, on Monday I'm going to do this, on Tuesday yeah. I'm going to do this, this is what I should wear, this is what I, mm -hmm. what time I should show up, and also just getting welcomed by mm -hmm. other people, not even on your team, absolutely. was really comforting. And, <laughs> absolutely. And another good practice uh, is sometimes companies will have like a swag bag of, of stuff on day one. Mm -hmm. That's pretty cool. How cool Absolutely. will it be to get that before you even start? Right. Get you a little energized before <laughs> yeah, you walk in. Yeah, get you excited. Get, get the swag bag to them before they even start. Mm -hmm. They're going to be excited to be there. And then they can bring their swag onto their desk Absolutely. too. Absolutely. But let's go into more of the onboarding mm -hmm. part. And this is the time that to really make a good first impression. So onboarding is way more than just the workspace that they're at. Um, so tell us what's on your onboarding checklist. Yeah. So I think the first and most important thing is to make the employee welcome, to make them feel welcome, to make them feel like they've made the right decision and made the right choice. The reality is that employees today can choose to go, frankly, almost anywhere they want to go. So you have to convince them they've made the right choice. So it's really important you make that impression on the first day. As I said earlier, make sure someone's there to greet them. Someone's yes. expecting them. You don't just turn up and there's somebody on the reception Hi, I'm James McDevitt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So make sure that we're expecting them. Make sure there's a backup in case the person expecting them is not there. Uh, one one thing I, I, I remember when I came over to the States a few years ago now that has stuck with me ever since is on the first day, the CEO of the company, who was also a co-founder of the company, I am very confident saying would have been a very busy man, right. took the time out on his first day to come and meet all the new hires and That's speak awesome. to us for at least 30 minutes about the history of the company, why the company was founded and the culture of the company. It happened over 20 years ago and I still remember that conversation. Wow. So not just a hiring manager, a hiring manager is key. The sh if possible, if a hiring manager is in the same location, they should be there. But get senior leadership, get the CEO mm -hmm. if possible. If the CEO is not available, some other senior, senior leader that can talk about the company, that can talk about the history of the company and where this person fits in. Um, as I said, you really want to make this feel welcome, this person feel welcome. You want to get them pumped that mm -hmm. they're there, on the, they've made the right decision and they're excited and looking forward, not just to day one, but to day two, and day three, and day four. Absolutely, and you kind of gave us a little overview on your checklist. But do you have any examples of a really bad onboarding experience that companies can kind of listen to to stray away sure. from? Sure. There's, unfortunately, there's more than one I can think of. Uh, I think, and I think a lot of companies fall into this trap as well, where day one tends to be the HR day, and you stick them in a room with very competent HR professionals, but they're going through a relatively dry topic in terms of benefits and accidental death and dismemberment insurance and making sure you fill out the forms. All the fun stuff. All the fun stuff. And if you're in an environment where, where like in a manufacturing environment, you maybe have to go sit through a safety presentation and you can see the, the new hires and the, the, the new employees just literally switching off and thinking, why am I here? So sometimes you have to do that. You have to right. go through benefits, you have to go through safety, but make it fun, make it exciting. Another example from the same company when I came to the US, the other example from the orientation I remember, the payroll manager came and was explaining how you get paid and that's obviously a good thing. But again, some of that is a little bit of a detail in terms of um, timesheets and things like that. 
but she made it fun and exciting and as a payroll manager she had a little payday candy bars oh and she would ask questions and if you got a question right she threw a payday candy bar at you that's an incentive <laughs> so so make it fun make it exciting um don't make it boring you've got to fill out the i9s you've got to fill out benefits paperwork but make it fun make it interesting right and another example of, of where it didn't really work was someone i know traveled a long way actually relocated to the position and on the first day, this person was an attorney and, and she was all dressed up, all smart, as you would expect an attorney to dress. And she's shown to her office and that's a good start, but her manager wasn't there and, and wasn't quite sure. And her laptop didn't work. And she ended up having to scramble around under the, under the table in her best clothes, right. trying to figure oh. out how to plug her laptop in and thinking, why am I here? Right. So those are simple things that can be avoided. Mm -hmm, absolutely and I mean nowadays we see a lot more remote employees yes so what about the remote mm -hmm. employees how do you apply that same process that you just talked about if a new employee is remote it's it's the same principles it's harder it's easier if you're all in the same place and it's obviously harder if you're not but it's basically the same principle get them pumped up get them excited make them make them feel like they've made the right decision if it's possible to get them into another company location near where they live, try to do your best to do that and have somebody greet them and have lunch with them and all the rest of it. If that's not feasible, can you get their technology to them before their first day? Right. Um, can you get a, a laptop to them, for example, give them instructions on how to log in, work with the IT team to get their email and, and all the connections set up. So that if you are doing orientation sessions on day one, Zoom is a wonderful technology at times, but Zoom can be our friend on orientation day with remote workers. Um, get them involved, get them, get, make sure the hiring manager, again with the pre-boarding, the hiring manager has spoken to them already, they're building that relationship. Get them to speak with their teams, even though they're maybe sitting in their living room in wherever they're sitting, right. make them included, make them feel inclusive. One good practice that a lot of companies do is have lunch with the new hire on day one and wherever possible, maybe get the team involved. Again, if you're all in the same location, that's not too difficult. If you're in different locations, that's hard. So think ahead, maybe send them a, uh, a, a food delivery voucher, gift coupon card. gift mm -hmm. card in advance, so they can order lunch, so they can be having lunch on the company while at the same time everybody else is having lunch. Again, it's the same thing, make them feel they belong, make them feel part of the culture, make them feel like they've made the right decision. Right. And I mean, we've covered a couple different terms so far, pre-boarding, on-boarding, and now a little bit, we're gonna go a little bit into orientation. So could you talk a little bit about the difference between onboarding and orientation? Sure. Now those two phrases can be a little interchangeable sometimes, but, but technically orientation is really about the initial welcome in the first day or the first couple of days that you have the new hire becoming the new employee and becoming the regular employee, so to speak. So it's it's really the initial welcome. And the goal there, as I said, is to make them think they've made the right decision by, by choosing you. Onboarding is more of a longer term process where you're really helping them learn how to do their job, mm -hmm. how to be effective in their job, how to build relationships cross-functionally on project teams, et cetera, et cetera. So onboarding is a, is a longer, broader process. Orientation is the first impressions. Okay, thank you. And what is the best way to really help a new hire integrate into the organization? Where how do you teach them about 
your company's core values and mission and history without plopping down a bunch of papers and yep. saying read. Yeah, absolutely. And that you just highlighted the one thing I don't think you should do. <laughs> Although these Perfect. days, these days people don't necessarily give you a, a file and a bunch of papers. They say there's a website, go read, right. <laughs> or go watch that online video, and I'll come back at lunchtime. Mm -hmm. um, again, how exciting is that for the new hire? Are they are they pumped to be here because they're spending two hours watching online videos or reading forms online? No, talk to them. You should have a plan. You should have a who does that person need to know to be successful in their role? What relationships do they need to start working on? That, those are all important. So have a plan, but make sure the plan is flexible enough so that it's individualized by the person or the role. Uh, in some organizations, it's important that you know this person and other organizations it's important you know that person. Don't just have people meet everybody for the sake of meeting everybody. Um, so have a plan. When you talk about the culture of the organization and the values of the organization, make sure you yourself are demonstrating those values mm -hmm. so you, they can actually see them in action. If you're in an, an environment where it's very customer, very member focused, you show them how that works in reality. Give them examples, talk to members of the team, demonstrate those values in action. As I said, meet the team, meet the key stakeholders. Yeah. Um, appreciate some of the generational dif differences that, that exist out there. Um, but really be inclusive, be positive, and again, um, get them jazzed to be there as part of the team. Right. And I mean, this might differ depending on what company you're at, but how long should a typical onboarding process take? So I think that's a trick question, because <laughs> the answer is it, I don't think it ever ends. Um, again, orientation is you're, you're setting yourself up for success within the organization. Onboarding, you're now going to take that to the next level on how to do your job. But your job evolves. You evolve as a, as a person. You develop. You're continually, hopefully continually learning, doing new things. You're being, you're being trained on how to do new things. You're learning how to do new things. Effectively, onboarding goes on continually. Forever. <laughs> it, 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 it frankly does, yes. I mean, what we're effectively doing, if you think about it and if you do it properly, you spend all that time and effort hiring somebody. You spend all that time and effort getting them on board. You find you spend all that time and effort training them how to do a job. And then if you stop, if you if you just stop, that person will become disengaged. They will become ineffective. They will leave the organization, and you have to do all over again. You are effectively good practices to effectively continually to re-recruit your new hire as if you're trying to get them pumped up, as if you're trying to get them to do their job well uh, and trying to get them engaged and want to be there and want to get out of bed in the morning and come to work. So it, it doesn't end. If, if the employee doesn't feel the love, then you know what? Someone else will get them to feel the love. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned generational differences mm -hmm. quickly in your last mm -hmm. statement, mm -hmm. and there's been a lot of talk about gener like generational differences. So how does this really come into play in the onboarding process? Sure. So as you said, we're generational differences, perhaps for the, for the first time, significant generational differences in place um, across society with the boomers and the Gen Xs and the millennials. Sometimes it's hard to keep up with them all. It is. Um, I think the important thing to remember, though, is, is that people are different. People are individual. And whatever strategy you have, it should be individualized to the person. As I mentioned before, have a plan, have a structure, but make sure it's individualized to that person. I think some of the key elements are a strong communications plan, 
make sure that you communicate clearly with the new hire, the employee, so that they understand. Give them the opportunity to ask questions. Don't just tell them. Communication is two-way. Have an inclusive culture so they feel part of the team. And I think something I haven't really mentioned before, but I think the role of the hiring manager is really key in this. I think lots of studies out there show the relationship between the hiring manager and the employee is crucial. The hiring manager needs to be part of the pre-boarding, needs to be part of the onboarding, needs to be part of the orientation. And they really need to build that relationship with the new hire. And if that is successful, regardless of the generation, I think it will, I think it will be a successful experience. Mm-hmm. So what are your thoughts on having a new hire get involved in a big project right away? Does it give them a sense of responsibility right off the bat, or should you steer away from that? What are your thoughts on that? I think I'll go back to the individual role of the individual again. I think it has to be individualized. There will be some cases where you have someone who has got the skills, got the experience, got the knowledge, who can jump straight in. Um, and you have other people that may not be there yet, and that's okay. And you will know that when you hire them through the process um, and people get hired to do different things. So I would say it needs to be down to the individual. um, And I would say the key is to set the new hire up to succeed. Do not set them up to fail. So if, if, if they don't have the skills and the capabilities and experience to take on the big project, take it slow. Okay, good advice. (laughs) So here at MRA, we um, assign mentors to all of our new hires, and they're really there to just kind of be a leader and for Mm -hmm. the new hires to go to if they have questions Mm -hmm. and be a role model. Mm -hmm. So what are some suggestions you have um, for mentors of new hires? Sure. So I think uh, when we talk about mentors, there's really two roles that can really help a new hire come on board and be effective quickly. There's the mentor and there's the buddy. The buddy is a more informal process, um, mm-hmm. someone that can help answer all the silly questions, like where's the bathrooms and, and what time to, you know, my boss said this, what did he or she really, yeah. really say that? Um, particularly someone with local accents and variations. <laughs> what did he say? I don't quite really <laughs> understand what he said. All those silly questions that you may not want to ask your, your right. manager, and that's you know that's fine. So someone that goes to lunch with you, someone that explains, oh, this is what we did and this is how we do it. Someone that you can bounce thoughts off. That's really important. The role of a buddy is has been proved to show a real success in terms of transitioning somebody in the workplace. Talk about being inclusive. Talk about being part of a team. A buddy can really help help that process go through. A mentor is probably more of a formal process and traditionally tends to be someone maybe a bit more senior, it's more structured, someone that maybe have um, more experience in the role mm-hmm. that can coach and, and guide, uh, maybe someone with less experience uh, and help them with career advice and, and, and suggestions on the role. And um, A buddy isn't necessarily someone that you would go and ask, well, I tried to do the job this way, but it didn't work. What do you think? How could it be done differently? Whereas a mentor could play that role. So I have this idea, we did it in my last company and it really worked really well there. I don't want you to go to my manager and say this right now because I don't know if it's worked and failed or if it's been done here before or not. Mm-hmm. A mentor can help you guide with some of those questions. So I think both have a, have a, have a role to play. Absolutely. Um, and previous organizations, we've certainly invested a lot of time in the buddy system, for example, and we've hand-selected individuals and even trained them in some ways on how to be a buddy and, and what to look for and understand adult learning and how do people learn. Mm-hmm. And some people are very visual, some people are, are not. And that's all important. Um, 
to be to be a successful buddy yeah. as well. And I think the buddy system and mentor system has really helped me personally mm-hmm. too, Good. as a newer employee. Yeah. But what are some ways that a company can provide this continuous onboarding support that mm-hmm. you mentioned? Yeah, yeah. So as I said, uh, onboarding doesn't end on day three or day four. It's really continuous. And this is where companies who succeed build cultures where personal development and continuous improvement is part of the culture, where the manager sits down with the employee on a regular basis and not just once a year because it's annual review time, because someone in HR sent them a form and said, we have to fill this form out. No, it's a real dynamic process where, where we sit down as team as teams, sit down with individuals to say, okay, how's it going? What's it working? Last time we met, we were going to do this. Did it work? Did it not work? What did you learn? How mm-hmm. would you do it differently? Asking the questions, well, what help do you need? What do you want to do? Really important questions. In, in my role in the past, Managers have come to me and said, well, I think so-and-so would be a really good position, person for this role. And I said, well, have you talked to them about it? No. <laughs> Crazy talk. Why would I do that? <laughs> but and, and a culture of personal development and continuous improvement, people would know, what does Sophie want to do um, in the next couple of years? Where do, where do, who, where do, where do her interests lie? Right. Is she looking to build on the creative side? Is she looking to go into a management role? Is she looking to change functions? I think that's all really important. And I think successful personal development continuous improvement programs are, again, it's not just about going on a formal training class. Right, I'm going to send, somebody wants to be a manager, right? I'm going to send them on a manager class. Mm. Yeah, it doesn't quite work more that than way. That. <laughs> it's much, much more than that. So, so talk about on-the-job learning. Talk about... Uh, skills and experience that you can pick up on the job. If you're looking to go into management or supervision, maybe you can take uh, a leadership role in a project, a cross-functional project, where we're going to ask you to take our leadership role here, where you're working across function. Maybe it's in a matrix environment where no one person can say yes, but five people can say no. Right. You, you know, work on work on those skills. Uh, meetings, working, you know, pulling meetings together, agendas together, keeping meetings on time. Those are all important skills that, that you need to learn once you're in management. Um, so so like, broaden the mind, broaden your experience. In some organizations, they're set up in such a way that you can actually move between functions quite easily. Mm-hmm. And MRA, for example, is one of those. As a HR organization, we have a lot of HR professionals and we have a lot of people in blended roles. They might do some compensation, they might do some uh, recruitment, they might do some learning and development. And a lot of those roles are built on the fact that we've had conversations with those members of the team who've expressed an interest, I'm interested in doing this. And we figure out, does that work? Does that person have the right skill set? And if so, with a bit of coaching and mentoring, to your point, we can make it happen. So I think the key is regular one-on-ones, proactive discussions on what it is you want to do, what help do you need to get there. Mm-hmm. And everybody wants to be an employer of choice. Yes. And I think a good onboarding and orientation process is one way to be that employer of choice. Mm-hmm. So you really want a new hire to go home after their first day of work and mm-hmm. um, share their day with their family, their friends, and be like, wow, this is awesome. I had a great first day. Mm-hmm. And that will encourage other um, future candidates, Absolutely. hopefully, to join the company as well. Absolutely. But on the opposite side, if they go home and complain, nobody's going to want to join that company. They're not going to want to come back. So like you said, these processes are key. Mm -hmm. Um, 
and it's all about leaving a good first impression. Absolutely. So do you have any last impressions <laughs> that you want to leave our listeners with today? Absolutely. And, and you made the point that a bad orientation or a bad onboarding, certainly these days, employees will not stick around. Right. They, they don't stick around. The studies are out there. The statistics are out there. The results are in. People don't stick around. So what what can you do to make them stick around? And we've talked about some of the ideas. I think at the end of the day, it's a bit of an old cliche with an employer of choice, but especially these days, I think it's absolutely true. Employees have a choice. When they get out of bed in the morning, they have a choice. They can come to work for you, or frankly, they can go and work for somebody else. Right. Our role is to get them to make the choice to come and work for us on day one, and on day two, and on day three, and in year four, and on year five. That's why it's a continual process. It's a continual recruitment. We want them engaged. We want them uh, part of the to feel part of the team. We want them to come into work in the morning. Absolutely. Well, thank you for all of your advice today. I mean, it was great. And thank you for being on the show, too, and really continuing the candidate experience uh, talk and onboarding process. Um, it's something that's never going away, like mm-hmm. you said, but something organizations really need to stay on top of. So we will be continuing this conversation next week. Um, but if you have any further questions or just want to get connected with James, we have linked his LinkedIn profile in the show notes below, along with some other resources that you can take a look at. But James, thank you again. Thank you. I had fun. It was good talking <laughs> good. to you. Um, but other than that, we will see you next week. And that wraps up our content for this episode. Be sure to reference the show notes where you can sign up to connect for more podcast updates. Check out other MRA episodes on your favorite podcast platform. And as always, make sure to follow MRA's 30-Minute Thrive so you don't miss out. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next Wednesday to carry on the HR conversation.